Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty, Dominic Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick Fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of IWTV Guide on a Tear. This week, I have one half of the Black Label Pro Tag Team Champions. He's also one half of the Southern Underground Pro Tag Team Champions, one half of the IWTV Tag Team of the Year, and the new Time Bomb Pro Champion, the Bone Collector, the Italian-American Dragon, Dominic Greeny. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Uh, really happy to get to talk with you here on a on a nice, fun night, and uh, just excited to sit down and talk some wrestling. Yeah, man. Uh, screw the Bone Collector gimmick. You're the title collector now. <laughs> Uh, slowly and steadily, you know. Yeah, eventually you'll get to that, uh, Ultima Dragon picture. Kurt Stallion had one of those, like, a couple years ago, and I remember we had, like, seven or eight title belts, and so did Ethan Page. So, like, those are always the coolest pictures when you have, like, seven or eight title belts. Yes. And you're just collecting them up, so hopefully, you know, we can keep that, that kind of, like, that run rolling here for me. Yeah, man, absolutely. That's, uh, it's definitely the goal. I, I've been watching you a lot more closely since like the pandemic started uh i know like we've talked briefly and uh you actually mentioned like that you knew that i didn't used to like your wrestling matches because you didn't wear boots (laughs) you know that's actually a funny thing like you're far from the only person that said that like i've had a lot of people that either associated the no boots thing with like straight like a straight mma guy or like they just assimilated that they just didn't like people who didn't wear boots um, so like when I put the boots on last year, like it, it really kind of changed a lot of people's perception of me. Um, which mainly like that was never the idea behind, you know, wearing boots. Um, the main idea behind like wearing boots or shoes was really just an idea of like a couple of those twofold. One was like the previous year I'd finally had a toe injury in a match against, against Eric Stevens of all people. I jacked my toe pretty bad and it was kind of getting to that point where I was like, man, like maybe it's time to start wearing some boots but it, I wasn't quite there yet. And then I just thought about like moves that I didn't particularly like to take because of having not, not wearing boots or like how hard it was for me to catch dives uh, without boots on and like how it was really like a risk for me. So when the pandemic started, I kind of had this idea to talk to Eric Stevens, uh, who is a guy that like I would really ask a lot about, you know, wrestling stuff for. Um, and I was like, Hey, I was like, what do you think about me? Like kind of changing my look up and like doing boots and kick pads. And we kind of agreed that would work and kind of went from there. Yeah. I, I started to, uh, enjoy your matches more. Like I, I remember Jaylet, um, your matches from Jaylet and I really enjoyed uh, the matches you had there. And I was like, all right. And then you incorpor- you incorporated people like attacking your feet when, when it was available. And that's the thing that me was like, it, what took me out of it was that you're barefoot. So like instantly that would be my go-to to like attack your feet and do that kind of stuff. And like, it, it, it would come up here and there and people would do it. And I'm like, okay, see, that's a smart thing. That's what I would, that's instantly what I would do, but you don't want to tell that story every single time in a match. So like, I, I got why it wasn't always uh, the thing, but to me, it was like, that would be my number one thing I'd always want to go to when I would wrestle somebody that would be barefoot. So like, but after a while, I'm like, you know what? That's silly. Like, I'm going to give you a chance. And like, I really just started enjoying your work. Like I went back and watched your match with Zack Sabre Jr. I really enjoyed that. And I was like, you know, that, that's something silly to be like angry about. And like, not like, because like, there's so many people that did, do wrestle barefoot, like Matt Riddle at the time did. And, uh, 
obviously like Rusev did for a while. He had like the raps and stuff. So I was like, it's not like it was this rare small thing. And like, then when you really started coming out with the boots and stuff, I'm like, okay, I was like, now he's like, it's a weight. You're away from that. And it's now it's more focused on everything else. And especially with like tag team wrestling, it's, it definitely helps in that aspect. Yeah. And that's like one of the biggest things Kevin and I have always kind of like strived to be. It's like, we want to, we want to be a, a true tag team in terms of like quasi matching and like to have one guy barefoot and then another guy, you know, with shoes on, like it can work, but it, it's all about aesthetics. Like wrestling is so much about aesthetics. So to us, it was like aesthetics of getting matching gear, aesthetics of, you know, looking as similar as we could. And Kevin's always been a kick pads and shoes kind of guy. So I, I felt like, you know, kick pads and boots or shoes was going to be my go. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, overall, I think it was it was a switch for the better. Yeah, I, I definitely like it. And like, yeah, like, it is definitely about aesthetics because like it's so weird. Like it's very much uh, everybody has to have like their their fit game with with like wrestling gear. If, like you don't look the part a certain way or somebody doesn't like a certain thing. Like it can turn you off from an, a wrestler entirely just by like their gear which is like really bizarre to think about, but there's definitely wrestlers I don't like or don't think that much of because of how they like present themselves. Yeah. Like that was one thing that like Kevin and I kind of always mentioned, like when like Ku and I always like, we saw Ben Carter before like anybody knew who Ben Carter was, Mm -hmm. uh, just through like Dylan and, and IWTV stuff that we had done. Uh, and our biggest bag on Ben was always how bad his gear was. Like, we're like, man, a guy that wrestles like Pac shouldn't have gear this bad. And, you know, that was something that, like, I know Kevin had a lot of conversations with Ben about. And then, like, right, of course, as the end of his indie run, start of his WWE run was kind of getting there. And, like, when he was doing AEW, he'd finally gotten that sick new gear. And I was like, okay, now it all it all works together. But it's like, not, like, one thing that can take you out of a really good wrestler is if they have either poorly designed gear or just ugly gear in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think, like, you look, I think that's one one of the reasons why, like, Derek director is like so good because he spends a lot of time and personalization in all of his gear and all of his gear looks so good. And I think even sometimes, you know, uh, you can look like Tarzan, but play like Jane. But if you look like Tarzan while you're playing, you know, it masks a lot of stuff too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Derek is one of those guys. Like I really want to see break out, uh, when wrestling really starts to, to come back and hit its stride. I'd like to see him in a lot of places, I feel like there's a handful of guys that maybe didn't do very much while things were kind of going on, which obviously, you know, that's, I don't blame them. I mean, it's a risk to kind of do a lot. So, but like, I'd love to see him. The other thing that like you look at it with like doing a lot per se while the pandemic was going on was when you look at it really, when it comes to like big any companies, there was really only two running when you look at it, it was like ICW and GCW. And if you kind of weren't kind of one of those guys that was already in like that kind of like crowd, or you weren't really known yet, it was going to be hard for you to kind of penetrate at that time. So I think that like with AIW coming back and, you know, kind of the vaccine being morally available and stuff opening up, I think you're going to see guys like Derek and, and some of these other like younger AIW guys get out there a lot more and do a lot more. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Uh, I, I, that's why, like, I think I've really started paying a lot more attention. Like, yeah, there's like ICW and like GCW, but those really aren't, so much my bag like i can only stand so much deathmatch wrestling and like i would watch uh the icw shows specifically if you were on them and that was pretty much it like there if nothing else really like seemed like you know it was something i wanted to watch 
because I could only yeah. take so much. It was all very much all here's this is how it's going to be. It's all the same style match, but with like different people. And I'm like, that's just not for me. Like, yeah. And, and, and so much about wrestling is about variety. And if you have a show that there's a lack of variety or it's all the same kind of in a row, you know, it stinks. And, and that's kind of something that I think part partly the pandemic has hurt a little bit is that it's hurt the variety of wrestling. It's kind of put like coattailed certain styles of wrestling into being what we're seeing more of. But I think hopefully with, you know, like I said, kind of the advent of like light at the end of the tunnel, you know, we'll get back to kind of that variety. And I think that's one of the things that makes AIW so awesome is that there's just so much variety on an AIW show. And I think that's kind of what separates AIW from a lot of other independents. Yeah. And that's why, like, I really started to uh, pay attention to like action wrestling and what they got going on there, because it's more of a traditional thing. And, but they'll throw in like, you know, uh, Angela Slane, Nolan Edward, you know, no DQ, that kind of stuff. And, uh, they would do little things like that. So I'm like, okay, like there's like storylines going on here. There's more standard wrestling. Like there's not like a whole gimmick with like the chain ropes or, you know, like in, inside of a cage or, you know, that kind of stuff. There's stuff that makes sense. It's not just one-off matches. Like I, that's what really got me into like action. And then you were in action. So I was like, Oh, this is great. I can, I can watch you here. And, you know, and then now Southern underground pro has come back. And so I'm excited for like really Southern, uh, Southern wrestling. And like even paradigm, they have the UWFI rules, but like they still have regular stuff too, with no hook. So I like, I like yeah, those mixes. Yeah. There's, there's always something going on and like action and Matt does so well down there at kind of like, he doesn't just do matches, do matches kind of like almost everything on, on an action show has a point to it. It's got a means to an end and that's, and sometimes wrestling gets forgotten about with stuff like that. And that's what wrestling needs to be. Sometimes there needs to be like, why are we fighting? Are we fighting just for gifts? Are we fighting just so everybody tells us how good we are on Twitter or, you know, is there an underlying story? Because that's why we all got into wrestling because there was some kind of story we were all looking into, mm-hmm. you know, like there was a hook for it, for it to us, you know? Yeah. That's, and that's why, like, I really started focusing on them and like some of these other promotions that at least I was getting stories with it. And, uh, I was happy that they were around and that's where I really started just focusing my energy while I was waiting for, you know, AIW to come back and Southern underground pro to come back and stuff like that. So um, I'm happy that we're, we're getting so close to everything kind of being there again. And, uh, speaking of AIW and, um, they got the go for broke series coming, uh, were you one of the people that was really pushing for it? Uh, so when the pandemic started, you know, we had me and um, me and some others had an idea to do kind of like a student showcase idea where, you know, once the, the gym opened back up and we had the chance, we were like, man, let's do something with the school. We have this talent that, you know, we want to we want to work. And, you know, obviously, like if we're doing it at the training center, so we don't really need money uh, involved in it to get paid, you know, obviously, you know, we thought, Hey, maybe we could do something, some kind of like, you know, crowdfunding type deal, um, which we'll get into here. But, uh, so like I had some initial pitches to Thorn, and the thought process at first was, well, if we film this at, you know, the school OSI, like, you know, we could do it real cheap, but you know, Thorn is a real stickler for production and he didn't want to do something that was just, you know, filmed in a gym with like little to no commentary and just like matches to be matches as we kind of had that discussion. So this was probably back in like June-ish of last year when, like I said, kind of like gym started to open back up and stuff. And it was kind of like, eh, let's, you know, let's hold off on it. And, 
you know, then we kind of had the the option to run that show in Indianapolis in September. And then the whole idea of it was kind of dead. And then we ran the collective and then it was like really dead at that point. It was just like we were training to train. And I remember we ended up, you know, with all the COVID outbreaks post, uh, with all just the COVID outbreaks in general post the collective, you know, we just decided to close the school down for a month just mm-hmm. out of safety, just in case, you know, anybody w- were to get anything. So at that point, it was definitely like a, like a afterthought. And then around mid-December, it all kind of came back because when it got cold out, the shows went away that were happening because a lot of the shows were outdoors or open air. So everybody's getting work. Well, you know, Indiana puts down, you know, sanctions that, you know, you can't have shows indoors pretty much and everywhere else does. So uh, we, me and a group of the other kind of like people who helped write the show, we all kind of met. I believe like the second week in January and we kind of laid down the idea of what we had for our, we kind of just had like a massive brainstorming session. This was like an eight hour session and it kind of came down to the idea of um, we wanted to do a tournament of some sorts because we thought that would be kind of like a good story to kind of pull people in. Mm -hmm. And then my idea originally from back June of last year was I thought, well, let's do, let's do a tournament for, like an old ROH gimmick, like an old ROH gimmick I always loved was the top of the class trophy because in like 2005, 2006 ROH, like the students were never going to get on the shows because there was too much talent, but they would mm-hmm. use them pre-show. They would use them pre-show and they would also use them in like middle of the show, like cool down matches for this top of the class trophy. So like that was kind of my idea. Thorne wasn't a super keen on that. So we kind of brainstormed some more and we said, well, you know what? The Biggins cup got canceled last year. So let's, let's do that in the guise of a television show. And anybody who knows John Thorne knows that John Thorne absolutely adores the challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we kind of had the idea of like, let's see if we can do a mix of the challenge. And then if you know me and my MMA background, I love the ultimate fighter, but I particularly like the early seasons of the ultimate fighter when there was a lot more storyline basing into it. So we kind of figured a mix of like the ultimate fighter, the challenge, and then pro wrestling, um, and kind of how to put that all together. So it was kind of like one Sunday, we kind of came up with the idea. And then like a couple weeks later, we all met and we're like, hey, let's pattern out, you know, the first four to however many episodes. And then we, you know, set up like we ended up figuring out a venue. And then from there, it just kind of all went. But, you know, for those of you who aren't super familiar with the with the premise of the show, um, essentially the AIW school and some others, um, we are competing for Biggins Bucks. Uh and at some point, the clock's going to strike zero, and we have to turn these Biggins, Biggins Bucks in to enter the Chandler Biggins Memorial Tournament. Whoever's got the most money will get the highest seed, so on and so forth. So it's just kind of going to be a bunch of that uh, and just a bunch of cool stuff going on you know, throughout the season. So uh, I believe we are scheduled for 10 episodes, um, with the first episode airing on what well, should be next Thursday, which is the 6th. Or the seventh, one of those days. Uh, and we're excited with kind of the product that we've got. And we really think it's going to show off a lot of, you know, our our in-home, our, our in-house talent. Yeah, um, I'm trying to look here real quick to see, to make sure which day it is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, actually April 8th at 6 p.m. Okay, April uh, 8th, 6 p.m., okay. Yep, next Thursday. So yeah, that's, I'm really excited for that. Like once they, uh, kind of like laid out the idea for it, like I was really hoping, um, I knew something was coming. Like there was just too many rumblings of, you know, 
that especially that when you started teasing like the uh the hashtag i'm like all right i was like i don't think it's a show yet but i was like but maybe it's like a tv show to get us back to give us a reason to have a show and uh i was super excited once like everything kind of got revealed and uh i'm really excited to see where how that goes because like i think there's a lot of personality in the AIW roster, especially like with uh, some of the younger guys that hasn't really been seen yet. And I think that this could be a great opportunity to um, really ex- explore those, uh, those personalities and what happens. So, yeah. And you're, and you're going to get a chance to see a lot of that. This is like, this is not like the mad justices of the world or like the, like, more core roster members. This is a lot of like the homegrown AIW like schools talent that you'll see uh, some other new people that might've been popping up at the beginning of last, I think at the beginning of 2020. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be really good mix of all that. And, you know, I will say all 10 episodes are filmed and, you know, feel pretty good about the quality of everything that, you know, we, we filmed and what we're going to put out. That's I'm so excited for it because uh, I've been I've been itching for some AIW and that's it's been like this whole like I, I really like 2019 I finally like really started going to every single show that I possibly could I think I only missed like the ones that ran on Thursdays because it's just not possible with my work schedule but I I went to everything else and uh, I just was really like in this groove with it and I was like all right this is you know my thing. And then when the pandemic hit, like, I just felt like there's a whole thing missing and it still feels like it's missing. So like the excitement of being so close to being able to, to fill that again and have VIW again is just, I'm so excited for it. For sure. You know, we're excited to be back, you know, for, for us, like, especially like that AIW core roster, there's nothing for like, you know, it's cool to wrestle at ICW. It was cool to wrestle in Indianapolis and do the AIW shows in Indy. But, like, there's nothing like getting to the Odeon, you know, even with, you know, less fans than, you know, we're used to. But there's just absolutely nothing like the Odeon. And, like, that's really become our home after, you know, the Mount Carmel incident. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been great, and we're so excited to get back there. Uh, I want to move on a little bit to uh, talk about MLW because uh, it's one of my other favorite things that uh, I've really enjoyed uh, since we haven't really had a lot of other wrestling. And it's the, the bite-sized shows, you know, you got an hour-long show every week, uh, and I usually watch it on YouTube, and uh, told some really fun stories in there, and we we got Violences Forever there now, which is awesome, so I was really happy about that, um, and I think we've talked about this before on uh, previously with, like, your money challenges. Uh, do you know, are you guys, like, filming anything more? Is there more of that coming as well, like the MLW stuff, or... Uh-huh. So everything that you're watching right now from MLW was all filmed back in a three-day span in October. The week after The Collective, we did uh, three days' worth of tapings in Orlando, and they are still – I mean, like, we're in the – gonna like, they're going to at least stretch this till the middle of April. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, congratulations to the production team and court, because uh, I would have never thought they'd be able to stretch it that far. Um, we – I, I – we don't have anything on the books yet besides July. I know July 10th, we are scheduled to uh, do the ECW arena or the 2300 arena again. Um, I have heard rumblings of a June 5th date in Chicago, but that will all matter on how their COVID regulations go. 
because from what I've kind of told her from court is that they don't want to run the show unless they can run the show with the number of ticketed people that they had before. So I'm curious to kind of see where they, where they roll with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, is court is really playing up some big announcement on Twitter. That's supposed to maybe made tomorrow about a, a future TV deal. So I'm curious to see, Court sells a lot of these TV deals to us all the time, and a lot of times they're they're good for the company in terms of like international expansion. Uh, but the last time he sold something this big was probably when we got the DAZN deal. So I'm curious to see what he says because he he says it's a landscape changing deal. So I'm hoping for something big. Cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, that'd be great. I love MLW, and uh, I definitely like the the stuff they've been they got going on, especially like how they've started bringing in um, some of the stuff from Lucha Underground as like a mix. And I'm really curious to see where they take that and where like Team Filthy and everybody fits into that. Cause like they totally had me thinking you guys were going one way for the belts and then they swerved me back to where you guys are, are still dealing with the uh, Von Erics. So Nick Von Erics feud. How, uh, how's that been wrestling the Von Erics? Cause like, I mean, they, they come from that legendary family. So like, is that like, uh, like a really cool like badge of honor that you get to you know have a feud with them and like have that moment in texas when you guys like beat them up and did all that kind of stuff and almost had that riot so for me it's awesome because like i'm a massive like wrestling history guy and like the dallas territory is such is steeped in so much history so the ability to work with them in dallas was cool and it got doubled with you know, kind of like the riot that we, we incited, which is really <laughs> awesome. Um, so it's been really cool. And you know what? Uh, pulling the curtain back, like those guys are awesome guys to work with. Um, they are not like silver spoon fed guys. Like they're not like anything you hear about, like some of the horror stories of like second and third generation wrestlers. Those guys are awesome. I mean, those guys like Ross and Marshall had their choice to be like superstar athletes and they chose to go to the Noah Dojo instead and start from, you know, square one where they could have probably just gone to any wrestling school in America and been pushed right away. Mm-hmm. But instead they went to the Noah Dojo and got the living hell beat out of them. Um, so they're great guys. And, you know, like I said, it's a never ending feud. I kind of know where the kind of end game in the feud goes. So we'll let that play out on TV, but uh, they've been great to work with and, you know, very, very awesome to work with somebody that, you know, has that kind of lineage, that kind of pedigree. Yeah. Like I, uh, when I, before I started podcasting, like I didn't really watch a lot of older stuff and my, my co-host Jayhawk, he's into like a lot of the older stuff and he got me to watch uh, a bunch of like a uh, WCCW and like, I really started enjoying that when it was on the network and like I would sit and watch like four or five episodes at a time and like, I really got into it. So like, seeing uh you know the von erics through that and all that kind of stuff and then like seeing everything kind of happen it was almost around the same time that that like whole ride happened and i was like oh this is so awesome like that's got to be so cool to have that so like that's uh that's like one of the the coolest things like that's what really got me into mlw at that point was once that happened i was like oh this is i love that they're doing stuff like this and it's like a throwback and it's so good yeah, and that's and that's Court's like booking mo. Like Court is a massive like world class fan, and like his mentor is Gary Hart, who was you know the multiple time Booker down in for world class. So he really leans into a lot of that the old Texas stuff. So it's really cool. It's really fun to work work with that kind of style and and you know see the booking from that perspective. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. That he uh, was one of Gary Hart's proteges. That's awesome. 
Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I like Gary Hart. I, I've always wanted to read his book, but I know it's like super rare and limited to be able to find it. What if I told you I had a PDF version that I could email you? Oh my God. That'd be awesome. That was a court bar Christmas gift to me. That's past <laughs> the last one. So I'll have, to, I'll have to find it. It's on my, my computer and I'll have to send it to you. Oh man, that'd be great. Cause I've been dying to read it. Like I'm, I'm a big, great Muda fan. So like when I know he, like he had a hand in like having Muda there and stuff oh, yeah. and so I, I was always really wanted to read it because I thought he was like such an interesting guy. So that'd be awesome. I, I know a guy I can hook you up. <laughs> so recently you and I talked about uh, in, in one of the discords we're both a part of, we kind of talked about Chris Hero. And uh, I wanted to kind of jump on that a little bit more because uh, that's like one of my dream matches I want to see now is you versus Chris Hero. Um, is there any like you kind of mentioned like you have you reached out to him for like advice and stuff like that is there any like anything you want to talk about with chris hero yeah so like chris hero is a guy that i i go kind of like way back with in terms of my fandom like if you ever listen to a podcast i always cite kevin steen as like my first indie, indie wrestling like love like i loved steen like i love danielson but like heroes on that list too of like watching old ccw and like watching like hero be the cravat guy because that was literally his gimmick was he would do cravats for long periods of time but he always captivated me and i think also like much like steam like i was a really chubby young kid so anybody who's not like in shape like in this really good at wrestling like i always kind of flocked to mm-hmm. so i was like hero a lot and then kind of the story goes i got out of independent wrestling when i got really into mma and jiu-jitsu and when I got back, like Hero was a guy that like I was really following, and like especially like when the network first came back, which is like really one of the times like I really got back into wrestling. I was really following Hero, like as he was like f- kind of finish up that first NXT run, and then I was able to kind of watch him on the indies, like as I started kind of training myself, um, and I started to kind of watch everything he did, and I thought, man, like he's still so good, and. I was just like, everything about him was something that like, I was like, I really want to work this guy. And he came to AIW once while I was there. He worked danced. Um, and like, right as I think I was like kind of getting, well, no, like I wasn't involved yet, but like the start of 2017 was like hero was like getting blown up and then boom, he got signed right again at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. I was like, son of a bitch. Like there went that match. And like, I remember to the point where like I, that short pod driver used to do was literally a hero move. And I remember Johnny told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, you can do it. He's like, I don't see hero come, ever coming back to the NBC. I, I wasn't like, I was happy that I had the move, but I was like, damn, I was like, I really want to work Chris. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was one of those things where I was like, damn. And I always remember like one of the first evolve tryouts I, or the second evolve tryout I ever did, uh, I particularly impressed Gabe and he literally came up to me and told me that he thought I was going to be the next Chris hero, oh, wow. um, which is, which is high, like extremely high praise. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. And essentially I kind of watched hero do all of his NXT stuff and NXT UK stuff. And I was just like, okay, well it is what it is. Um, and then I saw that he, when he got cut last year, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, if he's not retiring, like this is my chance finally. Um, and I know that like I made a tweet like when he did the whole Chris Hero's back thing, and there was like a lot of like people were, like, man, there's a lot of great first time matches out there for Hero, and a lot of people were like listing me as one of them. So I was like pretty geeked up, and I know that one the first Indianapolis show we we made an attempt to get him, and he wasn't taking bookings yet, and you know. He's still not taking bookings. I think he's, uh, I think, I think he's 
being very cautious with COVID. Uh, he actually kind of mentioned that on his podcast. But when he started his podcast, you know, it definitely brought me into a second level of like really appreciating Chris Hero and really appreciating that, like the like lessons that he was teaching mm-hmm. on the podcast. So I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, I said I don't know, you know, if you really want this feedback from me." I was like, "I know you." I was like, "I think you know me." Um, I was just like kind of kind of put over the like some of the things he's taught on the podcast and how it helps me as a wrestling trainer and how i thought like it might be nice to hear that and we talked about some stuff and you know it was there's definitely a mutual respect there and like if i had to pick one match that i want within the next you know year to two years like that's the one right on yeah you uh really put over his podcast heavy in the discord and i was like all right i'm gonna check this out and i got hooked instantly like i I immediately realized like why i always liked chris hero and like i saw him when he came back on the indies uh, originally and had that match with donst uh i got to be ringside for that and i was like oh i should get a picture with him i'm like nah he'll be around and then he really didn't come back like or i didn't come back to aiw for a while so like i kind of missed out on it uh, and like, that's one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't get to like meet him and, and stuff like that. So like, I, I definitely won't make that mistake again. If, uh, we get this match or if we get him back in the IW, like I really, uh, I really would like to see him live more, uh, if we get the chance. Cause, um, I think, you know, I used to always think that like between him and punk, like I just really liked punk more. And like, now that I'm older and like, I've seen, a lot more of heroes matches i'm like i think i might actually like chris hero a lot more for some reason like i think just his style and like how he's just like a student of the game and like he's always like getting better and better and like doing different stuff and like i just i love all his stuff now so for sure one other thing i want to talk about uh you had like a 10 second match with uh bobby beverly at the uh <laughs> uwfi rolls uh tournament uh, where you were technically champion after, but you kind of yeah. d- like left the belt up to face hood foot. Uh, it was funny. Cause like, I want to say it was like the next, uh, one of the tapings they did, like one of the commentators put over, like that you guys had this epic match. And I was like, it was 10 seconds. How epic was it? Like you, like you caught him and it, it choked about, it was great. And I popped huge for it, but I, I wouldn't call it an epic match. I don't know if he was just, I don't know how he was trying to put that over as epic, but it was really fun. I think maybe like the win was epic. Like that's all Bobby. So Bobby was like, in his <laughs> mind, it was like, if we do this, like if we have a shoot fight, like I'm not going to be able to beat you. Like this is like, you should beat me in 10 seconds. So Bobby did previously in the night, it kind of like bum rush Cole at the start. So the idea was like, Hey, I'm a student of the game. I watched him rush Cole. I catch him right in the triangle. And it really worked because like the crowd was so hot for that, for that finish. So mm-hmm. like props to Bev. Like it was like possibly the most perfect call of the whole tournament. Yeah. He, uh, he always cracks me up. Cause like, I'll, I'll be talking to him about like, since he's doing a lot of the UWFI stuff and he's like, I just, he's like, I, I don't, I don't, he's like, I'm, I'm cool with this. Like, he's like, but he, they put me in there with these guys that like have like legit backgrounds. And he's like, I just, I don't think I should, uh, he's like, I just always find this weird way to beat them. He's like, I can't, he's like, it's so weird. Yeah, it, it is. But you know, Bobby's like, Bobby's a constant professional and Bobby always thinks about, you know, how, how would this make sense in this situation? And Bobby's credit, he always finds a good way. So, yeah, he's always, uh, He's always been kind of like that, like ever since I've known him, um, 
he's always been the, the the humble guy, but he he can you know he he's been around forever, and I just I, I definitely absorb knowledge from him when whenever I get to to sit and listen to him talk about stuff. So he's he doesn't realize it, but he's definitely a, a, a tree of knowledge when it comes to a lot of stuff. So yeah, absolutely. So getting into jujitsu, um, I've been wanting to talk to you about this forever because like there's a local place to me and my buddy has been like doing it for a while and he like finally got a gi and everything and he was like kept talking me into like trying to go and do that because like i wanted to start working out and uh, he's like this is the best way to do it he's like you can start like they have beginners classes come do this and i went and did one and i fell in love with it and i just it wasn't long before the pandemic hit after so like i haven't been able to do it since um but i'm hoping like I'll be comfortable about like being like up close and in somebody's like personal space soon once I get like vaccinated. So I'm, I can't wait to do that again. And, uh, but yeah, I definitely was like, I, I see where like the love for it comes from. Cause like we did like, it was only like an hour, but like they taught us two like techniques. I can't even fully remember what they were, but I know like one was how to like get out of uh, being mounted. And one was like, uh, a way to like turn, uh, turn them from being on top to like getting into like a side, uh, control. And like, it just, I loved it. And then like the, the teacher was really great. And like, they had like a decent amount of people. I think there was like 10 of us. So like we were able to rotate with like people I didn't know. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, I think that's going to be like my new thing when, uh, when things kind of open back up. Yeah, absolutely. Like jujitsu is like one of the like best, it, it's the most practical martial art when it comes to like a self-defense type situation was like nine out of 10 fights wind up on the ground, but it's also not like a martial art where you're like doing all these forms on air and it's like a dance routine. And it's like, man, it's like, where's the practicality in this? Mm-hmm. Like jujitsu, like if your friend asks you, Hey man, like what'd you learn tonight? You can toss him in a guillotine. You're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. What the hell, bro? <laughs> and, and like, that's kind of the cool thing about jujitsu. It's like, you could show somebody like what it is. It's not like, oh, hey, I need you to throw these two strikes at this exact angle, <laughs> right. two purposeful ducks, and then hit you with the distracting back bit. No, like, <laughs> like there's a there, there's a rhyme and a reason for everything that happens and like how and why you do it. So like that's part of the reason why like I like jujitsu so much. It's also just it's such a good just exercise. It's you know you go in there, it's two hours, and you know while you're on the mat, you kind of forget about everything. You know, it's just being with your teammates. You guys are rolling, you guys are learning. And then, you know, when those two hours are over, you know, you have that time of reflection, like, okay, like what I learned tonight, this is what I learned. Oh, we rolled, you know, four rounds. How'd I do in these rounds? Did I win? Did I lose? How can I win next time? How can I prevent losing next time? There's just so many things. Um, you know, the the saying the saying always goes like jujitsu is like chess, you know, whereas like other martial arts are checkers. And what that really means is that like jujitsu there's no straight linear line to get to where you need to go. Uh, checkers is a, such a straight line game. It's you can only go one way until you get kinged, and then you can kind of move wherever. Whereas like jujitsu is chess because everything you do is such a piece part that leads to another piece part, and kind of overall is what leads to you know either getting submitted, getting the submission, and just kind of how it goes all together. So like that's that's what that means. Like when they talk about jujitsu being chess, like every little piece part like if i move upon here that's going to affect how you move your rook and so on and so forth and like when i first did jiu-jitsu in 2009 so it's 2021 so 12 years ago 
you know, like that was the idea behind it. Like I fell in love with it because there was just so many options, so many ways to go about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. jujitsu is the ultimate telling ground too. For the most part, the most athletic guy doesn't always win a jujitsu match. It's usually the guy who has the best technique and the guy who, you know, works the hardest is usually going to win the match. So like that was kind of always like my motto was I knew I wasn't the most athletic, but I knew I was going to come the most in shape. And I knew that no one was going to break me mentally. And that was always kind of why I had the success I had in jujitsu. Right on. Um, now you're a purple belt. Like, uh, what all do you like? How long do you have before? Like, you think you could be black belt? Like, is that something you're looking to do or? Yeah. So I would, I mean, like I would definitely be a black belt now if it wasn't for pro wrestling. Um, I would maybe be a black belt now if Johnny Gargano had never been signed and I didn't have to, I didn't have the kind of schedule I, I had adjusted into at the ADB training school uh, because essentially I got my purple belt right as I started pro wrestling. Um, and right after I started pro wrestling, which would have been like September of 2016 was when Johnny got signed. So when Johnny got signed, it ended up being, I had a lot less time to do jujitsu because I was assisting with teaching the class like right then. Um, and then in about middle of 2017, like early 2017, like March ish, we decided to do four days a week at the Academy at the AW school, which it's now back down to two. But when I did that, that completely cannibalized my time. And there was a probably saw eight months where I eight to nine months where I didn't do jujitsu. Um, and then the pandemic has slowed down my progress because like, I was definitely looking towards my brown belt at the end of 2020. But that of course didn't happen with all the slowdowns and everything. Mm-hmm. So my hope is by the end of 2021 to get my brown belt. Um, I've had, you know, I've talked with my coach about it a bunch and, I really think that it'll be one of those things that that can't happen this year as long as I'm able to get into, you know, one to two classes a week, um, which my schedule is working out a lot better now. So everything's opening back up. So, yeah, I mean, my goal is here. I've done jiu-jitsu 12 years now. It's probably one of the longest relationships I've ever had in my life with anything. So to get my black belt and at least see the, that the light at the end of the tunnel is definitely a thing that I want to do. Um, because like guys that I started with have gotten their black belts already. And it, it definitely is something that I know I took a slightly different path than I had originally planned, mm-hmm. but I, it's a, a path I want to finish. Right on. Uh, that'd be really cool. Uh, I was just thinking about that, uh, while we were talking, um, cause like you being a purple belt all this time, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I wonder like how far he has until like he hits his next rank and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so so. Brown is the next rank. Then after Brown, it's black. So I would assume if I could get my brown belt here by the end of 2021, I would say maybe by like 2023 I could get my black belt. But that's being very generous to myself. Who knows? It could take longer. But okay. uh, right now, it's just like getting my brown belt is kind of the next key. Do you see yourself um, still competing um, in like tournaments in jujitsu, or is that something like you probably won't do again? It'll you'll probably just focus on like just regular training. It's hard. So for to go from where I went on a competition level to where I could go now, it's hard for me because the kind of commitment that I've put in a professional wrestling to get to where I've gotten in pro wrestling is the similar commitment that I had to put into where I was getting in jujitsu. And I don't think that I could compete at the level that I would want to compete at with my pro wrestling schedule right now. Um, maybe it's something that I, I would like to compete at least a couple more times. Um, but it all just, it's all about scheduling and timing, you know, making sure that I can train enough, makes it with pro wrestling. Because sometimes I'll have tournaments that I, I thought about doing with jiu-jitsu, but then, 
you know, oh, I got a booking that weekend. So it kind of ruins it, so on and so forth. So it's all going to be a timing thing. Uh, the good news is I just turned 31 this year. So that means I get to roll in what's known as the master's division, uh, which when I was a young 19-year-old whippersnapper, I always thought those old guys, I couldn't believe those old guys were doing that. <laughs> uh, but now I'm... 31 and I can do the masters one division where essentially it's just anyone between the ages of 31 to 35 do it. Okay. And then math two was like 35 to 40 and so on and so forth. So I'm interested to like maybe, you know, go roll with people my own age and not roll against these 19 year old killers that are like college wrestlers, you know, <laughs> that I've just like, Hey, I've decided to come and do some jujitsu today. Yeah. Like my family, uh, I have like this weird like history with jujitsu. Like my, um, mom's brother like i remember going to new jersey and uh they took their kid like the kids to karate class and like i kind of sat in on it and was like listening to that but like he always like spoke about this guy uh named uh hoist gracie and like the mm -hmm. ufc stuff so like i didn't know much about it and then like one uh they came out to visit us not long after and we got a ufc pay-per-view and uh i got to see him for the first time uh it was i can't remember exactly when it was i want to say it was like 95 or 96 he was yeah. in the main event and like he beat the person i want to say in like the first or second round real quick because like the match before went like a full uh, i want to say like half hour and it was just like it was really brutal like they were just kind of laying there not doing much for most of it yeah and uh it really like that guy like impressed me so much and i always wanted to do that and then like I played some sports in school and stuff like that, but like jujitsu has always been something I've really been interested in. And when my buddy got me to go finally do that class, like, I think that's, I, I kind of want to dive into that and, uh, and do that. And, and, then, like, and that's why I tell anybody, especially with like jujitsu or pro wrestling, like the hardest step is to put your, put yourself in the door and put yourself on the mats or in the ring. Uh, cause everybody says they want to do it and they talk about how awesome it could be, but you'll never know unless you actually like step in there. And the most nerve wracking time, especially with jujitsu, is literally walking in the door to start it. But the moment you step on the mats, like, you know, like you saw, like you do it and either you're going to love it and you're gonna be like, I'm hooked or you're gonna be like, you know what? This isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously it looks like, you, you know, you've gotten hooked with it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm bigger too. So like my buddy had a, a hell of a time, like trying to like move me around uh so like but so i thought that was kind of funny like and i think he tried to take it easy on me too because like uh with my neck issue and i was like I, I i warned him ahead of time i was like hey i was like don't go easy on me i was like but yeah. like if something happens because i don't because i've never tested it once like once i broke it like i've never done much since because like i didn't want to mess with yeah. it but i was like if i you know I'll, if i say like i gave him basically a safe word i was like if i say this like just let go like let go of whatever you're doing he's like okay and then he was Bologna. like yeah so then like halfway through like like he kept saying it i'm like quit i was like do it full like don't don't do that like just i'll tell you if there's something wrong i was like just go and like once he started doing that it was it, we were fine and stuff like that but it was a lot of fun and uh i always thought i'd like do really well at it so like when i got in there and like even going against people i didn't know like i, I felt really comfortable and like the uh, the head guy was like really in like he's like yeah I'd like to see you come back and do more he's like you seem like you you like picked up on stuff real quick and he's like so I was like I I would love to do that like I'm I'm hoping that's gonna hopefully I can start doing that this summer like if they, everything sure. opens up uh, speaking of of mat wrestling and that kind of stuff uh, you recently won the time bomb time bomb pro title 
Uh, and that was very much a, a mat based match. Um, what do you want to do with time bomb? Uh, I, I kind of saw your promo after, uh, where you talked about like no more hardcore stuff. You want to do it in a ring. Um, who, who do you see as like a potential challenger there? And like, wh- what do you want to see come out of time bomb pro? Uh, yeah. So like time bomb pro, uh, was primarily a no ring enterprise. Um, and I know the show before I debuted, there was a ring. So I was like, cool. Like they're gonna like, I get to rest on a ring and not, there's no ring stuff. And then my first show was like, no, no, we're, we're doing it in the, uh, basement <laughs> of this eight shop. And we put you guys on the platform. I was like, Oh, cool. So we did that match. And then obviously I called out Oren, um, you know, and I got a lot of respect for Oren, you know, Oren is a very underrated amateur wrestler, mm-hmm. um, that no one really knows because his death matching style, uh, Oren also went and spent time at the new Japan dojo when it first opened, uh, with, uh, Shibata. So there was that connection. Uh, but I kind of wanted to, I kind of had this idea of, Hey, let me do the Mick Foley, uh, anti-hardcore deal. And that's kind of what I'm going to do with time bomb, you know? At Time Bomb, they absolutely love the like idea of Orin and No Ring and all death matches. And everybody like wants to like everybody like when I came, I was like, oh, Dom's gonna be a deathmatch guy here and, and do no ring. So I think that like my goal is to kind of be the asshole who never gives them that. Uh, the guy who takes away their fun essentially and says, nah, you know what, we're gonna do this my way. We're gonna actually wrestle. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, degrade myself to your guys' level, essentially. Um, some potential challengers, uh, Damon Spriggle uh, is a pretty great talent um, from the Minnesota area uh, that wrestled Justice on the last show. Uh, he wrestled Orr on the show prior. The problem with Spriggle is, like, he's a really good normal wrestler, but for some reason he keeps on uh, coattailing himself to do death matches, so... You know, if he wants to stop, you know, throwing himself through barbed wire and glass, we'll give him a shot against me. Um, same with Ricky Norin, who's another guy trained out of the academy in Minnesota with Ken Anderson, who, you know, once again, loves death matches, but I think, you know, could be a pretty good normal wrestler if he wants to be. So we'll see that. And realistically, I guess, you know, for me, it's just a time bomb. It's let's bring this belt into something different than death matches. Let's put some prestige on it. And, uh, you know, Warren Bay can work his way back up from the bottom. Uh, what about the Carver? Uh, you, you uh, interested in maybe taking on the Carver? The, 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 the Carver's a murderer. He's, he's a horror movie villain. <laughs> he's not a wrestler. So I'm going to let the car, I'm going to let the Carver exist in the Carver verse. Right on. So next week is uh, the, the big WrestleMania weekend. And ov- obviously, you know, there's all kinds of shows going on. Uh, I, I want to finish up here by talking about the, um, two things here. One is the uh, ICW No Holds Barred Pit Fighter. Uh, you, they got the tournament going on. I'm assuming it's going to be in the cage uh, or the pit, uh, and you get coup first round. Um, h- how are you going to handle that, uh, especially considering the fact that you guys got a team on that same weekend? Uh, Kevin and I have 110% always viewed ourselves like like Walter and Tim Thatcher and how they how they did ring comp. Uh, where it's kind of all about the spirit of competition. Uh, Catchpoint was the same way when I was in Catchpoint. You know, we always talked about it was always about competition. And Kevin and I view it the same way. You know, our competitive interests are going to, you know, work on Friday morning or on Friday afternoon at noon to work together to, you know, beat Finjuice hopefully. And then, you know, we have to compete against each other and whoever wins that match moves on. And here's the deal. Being the friends we are, 
whoever wins that match, the loser's going to corner him the rest of the night throughout the tournament. And, uh, you know, obviously I hope I win. But, you know, Kevin and I look at it this way. When you see two MMA teammates, let's, for example, say, like, when John Jones and Rashad Evans were teammates and they said they would never fight each other, everybody always created this narrative of, man, like, I wonder what their sparring sessions look like. It must be such a good fight. Like, these guys are so good at the top of the division. And I wonder what that would look like if we saw it. And that's, like, where Kevin and I's head is at when, like, people want to match stuff together. It's like, well, it's like people probably wonder what this looks like. You know, it's two such similar-minded guys that are tag team partners and, like, really good friends. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, like, they're going to know each other's ins and outs and what each other wants to do. So, it's going to look like that really awesome, like, behind closed doors, Rocky Apollo Creed. Like, they throw the punch at each other and the camera cuts away and you don't get to see who wins the fight. But in this case, you get to see who wins it. And you're undefeated in the pit, right? I am. I think I'm like four and zero, either three or four and zero in the pit. Yeah. So um, a lot of a lot of good competition in the pit. Besides just Kevin, obviously Kevin is, you know, first and foremost for me. But you look at guys like Nolan's going to be there. JD Drake is going to be in there. Um, Dan Moff. You've got the kind of like poster children of ICW and John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. Uh, former MMA fighter Justin Kyle. So there's just there's so much talent in there and so many varied styles. So it should be really interesting. Right on. I'm excited to uh, to check that out. That's I will check that out. Just you know, as like I said, I always like to support you, and I do enjoy some of the pit fighter stuff. So I'll probably uh, be watching that. Um, the hard one that I'm really bummed because I'm I worked like during the prime time for this to be on uh, is the action and Southern Underground Pro Show. Um, have oh. fun, be sad. Kevin Koo and Dominic Green announced to forever present Have Fun, Be Sad. Yes. And uh, when uh, Matt reached out to me and was like, hey, do you do you want to sponsor the Violence is Forever uh, match? I'm like, yeah, like I, I was thinking that, but I was like, oh, it's probably like, I don't know, like how crazy it's going to be. Because like there, you know, obviously there was rumors that, you know, it could be a possible AEW team. And I was like, oh, that'd be crazy. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so he's like, okay. And he's like, then he didn't tell me who it was. I didn't know until like everybody else knew. And once the news broke, I was like, oh man. Uh, yeah. So, so like, I'm, I'm super excited for that match. Uh, is there anything you want to speak on for that match? Yeah. So like you said, like you thought it might be an AEW team at first. So I will speak out. Yes. There were discussions with FTR. Uh, it got to the 11th hour and the discussions were very close. And now, it looks like we kind of know why possibly they weren't able to take the match with AEW uh, running that house show the day of our show. Mm-hmm. That kind of is like, hey, that would be why we don't get to, they couldn't accept the match. Uh, but they were very willing and very receptive to making the match happen. It was just a timing issue. So hopefully that happens sometime down the road with FTR as it's kind of like the big uh, dream match for Kevin and myself. Um, so yeah, so at that point, you know, it was our show. We kind of got to pick like who we wanted to wrestle. So, an idea that came up was Finjuice, uh, because little known fact, David Finley is lives about a town over from Tyrone where action usually runs. And he was actually a high school wrestling teammate of Bobby Flacco. Um, oh, wow. so we were able to use Bobby kind of as an intermediary to get David. Um, and obviously I had wrestled juice at AIW a couple years ago. So we knew there'd be some kind of mutual interest there. Uh, you know, there was a reaching out process and negotiation process and it all ended up working out for us. Um, 
And it's it's a big deal for Kevin and I to wrestle Juice and David. Uh, you know, they were in the finals of the IWGP, you know, heavyweight tag league last year. They won it the previous year. Uh, former IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. So obviously one of the best tag teams in the world. I think they were top 15 in the PWI tag 50. So to get to where Kevin and I, you know, always see ourselves getting, you know, this is one of those matches that's going to be massively key for us. So we're, we're, we're really honing in on this match. It's probably, I actually had this conversation tonight. It's probably our most important match of the weekend in terms of, you know, notoriety. So um, just really excited to have the opportunity and really excited, you know, to have the opportunity to put together the show that we did for, you know, WrestleMania weekend from a kid going to WrestleMania in Dallas, Texas in 2016 uh, and watching every Evolve, going to every Evolve show, wanting to be booked on WrestleMania weekend to having his own WrestleMania weekend card. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of wild, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, I love that you guys uh, were able to, to do that. And the card overall for that show looks really good. Um, a lot of the, I've been really focusing on the showcase of the independence cards and they've been looking uh, really good. Um, I'm really excited for those. Like I hate that I have to work during most of them. So like, hopefully I can catch the replays in the evening. Um, Cause all the shows I really want to watch are in the afternoon uh, blocks and I don't get to get out of work until like five. So I am going to try to put on, um, uh, this show though and maybe just uh leave it at my desk and then have my headphones in so i can kind of hear what's going on yeah and maybe pop over um, when uh certain matches come on for sure one thing that kevin and i really were hoping to do with this show was to maybe highlight people who aren't going to be on 97 shows the new weekend um because a lot of the same talent is going to be a lot of the same so there is a lot of like people we're trying to use that might not be everywhere. You know, your Adam Priest, your Nolan Edward, or not Nolan, you're, he's everywhere. Uh, your Adam Priest, um, your Commander Man Dan's guys like that. Um, Alex Kane. You know, for me, getting Logan Creed on the show was something that I really wanted to do. Is you know, I've gotten to know him through MLW, and I, I see how hard he works, and I wanted him to get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, Derek Neal getting an opportunity. I think Derek Neal is quite possibly one of the best wrestlers on the independent wrestling circuit that no one talks about right now. So to get these guys opportunities that are down there, it was so key to Kevin and I, uh, to kind of showcase, you know, talent and action and stuff that might not be seen as much. Right on. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited for it. And, uh, I was, I'm really happy that, uh, I get to, you know, sponsor that match and like get to see everything. Like I just, I'm very excited for, for that card. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, because uh, I, I was re-listening to your interview uh, on Wrestling Cheers, and you guys did like talk about like Nickelodeon game shows and stuff, and uh, one of my favorites was always Legends of the Hidden Temple. Uh, would you like to see a reboot of that? Um, I think with all the technology they have now, I think if they reboot it, it'd be awesome. I don't know how down to play the kids would be. I think that like we're very lazy now. Like, like we're going to have a much lazier generation that they'd be like, Hey, let's do this through a video game instead of actually running through the obstacle course ourselves. But I think if you had enough kids that were willing to, to do it and with all the kind of really awesome that you could do kind of now, like visually and CGI and all that cool stuff, I think it'd be an awesome reboot if they wanted to really do it. I think they, you probably have more life in a Nick arcade reboot at this point, but who knows with, with these shows going on Paramount plus right now, 
they're going to have a, a really good resurgence, I think. Yeah, like I know, like, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Has like even got like a second season of stuff now, and I'm like just curious about like some of these shows. Like one of the ones that I don't think will ever like amount to anything, but like for some reason was fun to watch was like Wild and Crazy Kids. Like I remember they had like they did stuff with like remote control cars and like a, a, a closed off area out in the middle of this field, and I don't remember exactly what they had to do, but I just remember there was remote control cars, and I was like that would be so fun to do. And like thinking back on it, I'm like, that's something like you could do very simply. Like, I don't know why that wasn't like more common with people, but bizarre stuff. I used to think about with that, with those shows. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, that's all the questions I got. So, uh, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Happy to, you know, promote the stuff that we got coming up. Uh, Everybody, you know, be safe. You know, we're not out of the woods yet with all the COVID stuff. But if you can, schedule yourself your vaccine. Uh, and, you know, we can get back to hopefully, you know, by the end of this year, hopefully, you know, kind of back to where we were before and having some fun at wrestling shows and hanging out with everybody again, you know? Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back Monday with our review of Southern Underground Pro. Are these our lives? Hey, what's up? I hate your guts. Talk shit, charm is drying up I hope you get your ass kicked Cause you're so painfully fake and plastic You're such a motherfucker Such a soul sucker Wanna watch you squirm and suffer Ignore my even temper worldview Mercy is a virtue But all I wanna do is hurt you I hate everything about Everything about you